L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, the show where America is the star and the American people. By the way, we love to hear your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. Bill Rhodes, a Memphis, Tennessee native, has been the president and CEO of AutoZone since 2005. Today, Bill joins us to tell his life story and the journey that led him to AutoZone. So my father in the early years uh, was with Orkin Pest Control, and my mother and father moved nine times in 10 years. And one of the stops was Greenville, which is where I was born. After I was six weeks old, we moved to Meridian, Mississippi. And after about another year, we moved to Dallas, Texas. In 1969, April of 1969, our family moved from Dallas, Texas to Memphis, Tennessee. The reason we moved to Memphis, Tennessee was my mother and father didn't want to keep moving every year. 
He was a branch manager with Orkin, and so they kept moving year after year after year. There was a new startup company in Memphis, Tennessee called Terminex at the time. Terminex had just a handful of branches, and they hired my father to be the first ever multi-store manager. So he came to Memphis in April 1969 as the regional manager for Terminex, the only one that they had. And I lost him a couple of years ago, so I can't hardly talk about him without getting a little choked up. But uh, the vast majority of the lessons I learned about leadership came from my mother and my father. People want to talk about leadership and how sophisticated it is and which books do you read. I think leadership starts with caring, truly caring about people and living your values out every day. Um, my, my father used to go to work every Saturday. And many of those Saturdays, he'd allow me to come along with him and I'd sit in his office and I'd listen to the conversations that he'd have and I'd watch him roll off these reports off these antiquated printers and he'd sit there and study those reports and, and then he'd pull me around on the side of his desk and he'd say, so here's where we're doing well and here's where we're not doing well and here's what I need to do to help incentivize or encourage this person. Yeah, my dad, my dad is my hero. My father loved sports. I, in junior high and so, played basketball and football, um, and I wasn't good enough to progress to the high school level, so I pivoted and turned my attention to golf. So I end up going to the University of Tennessee at Martin, and it's about two and a half hours, two hours and 15 minutes northeast of Memphis, Tennessee. It's about eight miles from the Kentucky border in Martin, Tennessee. At the time, a, a very small town, and certainly for a, for a kid coming from Memphis, Tennessee, it was a town of 5,000 people that at the time had about 5,500 students. I got to Martin because I played golf. I wanted to play collegiate golf, and I had the opportunity to uh, be recruited by quite a few um, schools in the Mid-South, and ultimately the golf coach at University of Tennessee, Martin, Grover Page offered me a, a compelling scholarship to come and play golf at UT Martin. So I went to UT Martin. Um, my fraternity, my first year, was the golf team. And uh, I loved the golf team. We had a, a very good golf team. And um, we played Division II golf and were always on the verge of being able to go to the NCAA championships or not. My first three years, we got to go. Unfortunately, I wasn't good enough to make those trips the first three years. But golf was a big part of my existence in school. I studied accounting while I was at the University of Tennessee at Martin. And I can remember talking to my mom and dad. People these days wouldn't remember these phone calls, but back then, we didn't carry a phone with us. We didn't have a phone in our dorm room. We had to go downstairs and wait in line for one of the two or three phone booths that were in the lobby level of the dormitory. And I would call home two or three times a week, and my mother and father, this is something people wouldn't realize today either, they would both jump on a landline at home and we would have a three-way conversation without having to merge a call. And I can remember one particular phone call my uh, my freshman year, my father, as I mentioned, was big into management. And I knew I wanted to go into business because I wanted to be my father. 
And I can remember this phone call. And he said, son, have you decided on a, um, a major? And I said, yes, sir, dad, I have. And he said, okay, what is it? And I said, I'm going to be an accounting major. He said, what? You're going to be an accounting major. You know, those f people, they, they kind of sit in the corner, they wear a green eye shade and a green armband, and all they do is count the numbers. He said, son, why, why do you want to be an accountant? And I said, Dad, it's my understanding that accounting is the most difficult business degree that they have here at UT Martin. And so that's why I chose it. He said, that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. It would have been good enough for my dad, too. He had a very similar philosophy about life. And his father finally moves to Memphis for one reason, to not move anymore. He doesn't want to move his kids around from place to place to place. The majority of the lessons about leadership I learn from my mom and dad. And it all starts, Bill Rhodes says, from truly caring about people and watching his father and mother do that and have that be the anchor of their life. My dad was my hero. Bill said. And then, of course, that line about accounting. I understand it's the hardest major at the University of Tennessee at Martin. And, of course, that was it for his dad and his mom. When we come back, more of this storytelling, Bill Rhodes' story. By the way, we're looking for your stories, too. I mention it at the beginning of every show. But father and mother stories. We love them for Father's Day. We love them for Mother's Day. We love them all year long. Send your mother and father's stories to OurAmericanStories.com. When we return, more of Bill Rhodes' story here on Our American Stories. Lee Habib here, the host of Our American Stories. Every day on this show, we're bringing inspiring stories from across this great country. Stories from our big cities and small towns. But we truly can't do this show without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love what you hear, go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the donate button. Give a little, give a lot. Go to OurAmericanStories.com and give. And we're back with Our American Stories and Bill Rhodes' story. Bill has been the president and CEO of AutoZone since 2005. We just heard how much his father meant to him. In fact, Bill chose to study accounting at the University of Tennessee at Martin because it was the most challenging business degree they offered. And he figured it would train him to be at least half the professional that his father was. Back to Bill. As I was pursuing my accounting degree, I learned two things. One, I didn't particularly like accounting. More importantly, it didn't like me. And so in my senior year, I was progressing. I was a pretty good student and I'd made pretty good grades, but I really had to work at it. And I was taking this one class, it was called auditing. And Dr. Relda Barron, the head of the accounting department at the University of Tennessee was, was the professor and she's very talented. And we kept going through this class and I was really working hard. Uh, 
was close to graduating, really excited about graduating. I decided I was not going to be an accountant and I was therefore going to go straight to the University of Memphis to pursue an MBA. But this auditing class really I was struggling in and I was going to see Dr. Barron on a regular basis and I'd say, Dr. Barron, you know I'm trying this. I just don't get the concepts. And I worked it and she coached me and tutored me and ultimately came down to the end and I said, after the final exam, I said, Dr. Barron, I'm sorry, I did not do well in this class. And I know that I'm on the verge of an F or a D. And I plead with you to give me, and I know it would be a gift, to give me my first ever D in any class at UT Martin. Because if you don't, you're gonna have to deal with me again next fall, and I don't think it's gonna go any better. And I promise you, I promise you, I will never be in auditing. So I go on to the University of Memphis and I'm going to grad school. I'm living with my parents and I come home one day. My, my senior year in, in, at UT Martin, I, I uh, had a good golf season. So I made academic All-American despite my D and I made uh, honorable mention All-American. I got a chance to, our team didn't make it to the NCAAs that year, but I was invited as an individual to play in the Division II National Championships down in Columbus, Georgia. And it was, you know, the kind of the pinnacle of my career um, in golf. But there was a write-up in the commercial appeal about me. And um, after that write-up in the commercial appeal, a little article, I came home one day from school, and back then you used to write notes on the refrigerators. And there's a note from my mom said, Mike Hopper called from Ernst & Winnie. We'd like for you to call him. So I picked up the phone and I called him, said, hi, this is Bill Rhodes. He said, hi, Bill, this is Mike Hopper. I, I'm in charge of the audit practice at Ernst & Winnie. Ernst & Winnie was at the time one of eight large public accounting firms. And this one was in, uh, this portion was in Memphis, Tennessee, my hometown. And, uh, Mike said, I'd like to, I read about you in the commercial appeal, and I'd like to talk to you. And so back then, public accounting, you wore dark suits, you wore white shirts, you wore a tie. There was nobody in public accounting that had facial hair. So I've gone to this interview with Mike Hopper, the head of the audit practice in, of Ernst & Winnie in Memphis, Tennessee, and I put on my best. I put on my duckhead khakis my navy blazer. I borrowed a tie from my dad. My dad's three inches taller than I am, so he has extra long ties that hung down too long. Put on my penny loafers, and I had a full beard. Then I went to Ernst & Winnie to interview with Mike Hopper. I looked way out of place. I sat in his corner office, and Mike started interviewing me. Where'd you go? How'd you do in school? They said, we were about three minutes in. He said, stop. Let me tell you why you're here. Ernst & Winnie in Memphis, Tennessee has three different departments, organizations. We've got a consulting division in the bond consulting business. We've got a tax division. We've got an audit division. Mike said, I believe, I've been at the time he'd been there 20 some odd years. He was in the audit practice, in charge of the audit practice. And he said, every summer we have a golf competition between tax, audit, and consulting. He said, Bill, Every year I've been here, not only has audit never won, we've finished last every time. I wanna hire you. 
We'll hire you as an intern. It's May of 1988. The golf challenge is in, is in July. You can work one hour a week. You can work 60 hours a week. I don't care. You can work through July and after the golf challenge, you can quit or you can work through December when you graduate. But we won't hire you full time because you just, you know, you don't have the grades from your college to, to be a full time person here. And he said, what do you think? I said, so I can write that I can work for Ernst & Winnie on my resume. Why in the world would I not do that? And so I did. And uh, it was right when personal computers were becoming somewhat mobile. We called them luggables. Ernst & Winnie National had come out with this new scheduling software. So they put me in charge of figuring out how to use this new scheduling software and I was pretty effective at it. It went well. July came along and we won by a long shot, the golf challenge. And it was the last year they ever had the golf challenge, never had it again. So fast forward to December of 1988. I'm graduating from University of Memphis with an MBA. I've gone through a year of testing with Terminex, my father's company. Um, and I'm going to be a manager in training for my father's company. And they had told me all along, my father was a regional manager from St. Louis to, you know, Knoxville to Jackson, Mississippi. And they said, you know, you can do your manager in training program for a year, year and a half in Memphis. But beyond that, you're going to have to move outside of your father's territory to become a branch manager. So we've decided you're going to have to move to Philadelphia. And it was not Philadelphia, Mississippi. It was Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, within two or three weeks. So it was a shock for a southern boy from Memphis, Tennessee, that uh, you know never really been that far away except when I went to UT Martin, two hours and 15 minutes away. And remember, Ernst & Young had told me that I would not be able to go to work there full time. The same day that I was told I had to move to Philadelphia, I got a letter in the mail from Ernst & Winning saying that they wanted me to come on the audit practice as, a, as an auditor. They were paying me about $4,000 more than I was going to make living in Philadelphia working for Terminex. And so much against what I promised Dr. Barron and much against what my dad really didn't want, I became an accountant and I joined Ernst & Ernst and Winnie at the time full-time in January of 1989. There's no question my time at Ernst & Young was incredibly beneficial for me in my career. I talk to kids all the time. In fact, I talked to one of my nephews yesterday who's considering going to work for Ernst & Young. And I think it's an incredible place to go get an education. How many other kids, 23, 24, 25 young adults, have the opportunity to go in and see seven, eight, nine, ten businesses over the course of a year and see which businesses and business models work, which ones don't work and why. See which leaders are very successful and what kind of traits do they have that lead to that success. See which kind of leaders fail and where they lose their support from their teams. Probably in my case, as much as anything, see which cultures work and which cultures don't work. So I call it one of the greatest MBA programs in the world. 
And you've been listening to Bill Rhodes tell one heck of an unlikely story. Accounting didn't like me, and I didn't like accounting. And it turned out, well, not so much to be true. He gets that gig because of his golfing expertise. I love what that hiring partner said. You can work an hour a week. You can work 60 hours a week. I don't care. But we won't hire you full time. And of course, that turned out to not quite be true. When we come back, more of this remarkable story, the unlikely story of Bill Rhodes' journey to chairman, CEO, and president of AutoZone here on Our American Stories. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash OAS. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash O-A-S. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back with our American stories and the final portion of Bill Rhodes' story. When we last left off, Bill had secured a job at Ernst & Young, formerly Ernst & Winnie, despite being told that after his internship, there would be no job for him. We return to Bill. I was offered a job to come to, to AutoZone from Ernst & Young. I was doing really well at ENY and enjoying what I was doing. But here was this chance to go to work for AutoZone. What a fortuitous decision for me. I'm not sure it's worked out very well for AutoZone, but it's worked out extremely well for me. Um, so I joined AutoZone on December 5th, 1994, and I was the manager of inventory accounting. Quickly, I moved into some other parts of the organization, and, and probably the most fortunate thing for me was the leadership team at AutoZone moved me into a lot of different parts of the company over time. So I started in inventory accounting. They asked me to start an internal audit program, the first ever for AutoZone. Then I was moved into our store operations team as the store operations support person, helping support our divisional vice presidents. I was then moved back to finance. I guess I got promoted to vice president while I was in store operations support. Got moved back to finance in my early 30s because they wanted, our CFO was considering retiring, and I was moved back because they wanted me to be the potential successor to the CFO. Four months into that, I was promoted to senior vice president and controller at a very, very young age, and uh, was really excited. and was going, doing great things, I thought, and the company was doing well. and came in one day and the president of the company, another one of my mentors, Tim Vargo, called me into his office and said, hey, Bill, we've decided you're not gonna be, this is four months after I got promoted to senior vice president. Tim Vargo calls me in and says, Bill, we've decided you're not gonna be the next CFO. In fact, we've hired him and he's starting on Monday. He's gonna take your job you're going to be demoted back to a vice president. Um, and we don't know what you're going to do, but we like you. And I said, wait a minute. I was tracking with everything until you said, but we like you. And so I went a week we're without a job. The, the following Thursday, Tim Vargo called me back in his office and he said, all right, we've decided what you're going to do. We're going to make you a divisional vice president. So I went from being the controller of the organization with about 200 people in my organization, most of which sat on the same floor I did in, a, in the building downtown Memphis, to all of a sudden I was responsible for 525 stores in 11 states and 8,000 people. And I said, and you call that a demotion? And uh, it was one of those, it's probably the luckiest demotion that's ever happened. Um, and I, I had a, 
a wonderful opportunity to go and spend time with the people that are the most important in our business, the people that are on the front lines, that are dealing with our customers and providing wow customer service every day. I was, I was only in that role for about 11 months. We had a new CEO that came in and when that happens many times, leadership teams get shaken up a little bit and ours did as well. A few people left and uh, our new CEO, Steve Odlin, promoted me back to a senior vice president, but this time in charge of our supply chain. Now here's this accountant from Ernst & Young that tried to be an operator for 11 months that's now trying to be a supply chain expert. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed uh, the time in both store operations and supply chain. I was in the supply chain role for about six months and our CFO transition actually happened. Our CEO at the time, he asked me to be responsible for information technology and the supply chain and just really learned in both my operations and supply chain years, empathy for, for what we ask people to do every day and, and the commitment that they have for the success of this organization and frankly, the success of their families. Uh, people work awfully hard and uh, I get to see that firsthand. Our CEO uh, called a board meeting on a Friday afternoon and announced that he was leaving and he was going to take on the chairman and CEO role of, of Office Depot. It was the week of spring break is when he called the meeting. I was in Colorado with my family and I had a skiing accident on Wednesday and had a severe concussion and was not cleared to drive an automobile for a week. That was on Wednesday and I got a call on Sunday afternoon. I knew something was up because I'd had some conversations with our general counsel, but I didn't know that our CEO was leaving or anything. And I got a phone call at four o'clock on Sunday afternoon from our founder and he said, Bill, uh, I want to let you know Steve uh, resigned on Friday. The board's met all weekend, and we've made you the uh, president and CEO. I'm coming back on Tuesday. We have a board meeting on Tuesday at noon. I'll see you in your office at 11 o'clock. And I said, Pitt, did anybody tell you that I had a skiing accident? And he said, yeah, get to work. So I went to work. So. Today, AutoZone is about a $16 billion sales organization. We have seven, nearly 7,000 stores in the United States, Mexico, and Brazil. We have 105,000 people. 105,000 people that we don't call employees, we call AutoZoners. They have a passion, they have a dedication to drive customer service. You think about a, a significant part of our organization is in the retail business. Well, most of the times when you go see a retailer, you're excited about what you can buy. You're buying some new glasses or a new shirt or whatever. You're really excited, right? That's not the case when you come to AutoZone. You woke up, you're trying to go to work, your car didn't start. You gotta go to AutoZone and find out that maybe I've gotta spend $150 on a new battery. You know what? That $150 wasn't in my budget, but I've gotta do it anyway because I gotta get to work. Our people are our secret sauce. AutoZoners are a special breed. They have to be problem solvers. So another one of my quotes that I often say is, AutoZone isn't for everybody, and everybody isn't for AutoZone. And that's okay, because we have to have somebody with a servant heart. When somebody walks into that store and they're having a bad day, their car won't start, 
we have to have somebody that is empathetic for the customer situation and is willing to help that customer solve that problem. We have lots of different practices. One of them is called gotcha. Go out to the customer's automobile. So if a customer walks in and says, my car is doing X, Y, or Z, our people stop what they're doing. They go out to the car and they look, listen, smell what's going on with the car to help try to diagnose the problem. Our people are problem solvers and they do it every single day. Many times our people go out and solve a problem for free and we love that. So if you go out and the car won't start, well, all of a sudden the auto's owner sees it's a corroded battery cable. They clean it up, get rid of the corrosion, tighten down the clamp, and guess what? The car starts. And the customer says, oh, well, what do I owe you? Nothing. Well, okay, well, here's $10 of tip. No, ma'am, I can't take that. We're here to serve you. That's what service is about. That's what our team excels at. And a great job on the production by Robbie Davis and a special thanks to Bill Rhodes for sharing his story. 7,000 stores, 105,000 auto zoners, and they do have a servant heart. If you've ever gone, you know what gotcha means because they come out to that car and they try to solve problems. And it's the heart of their business is their servant hearts. And by the way, there are 270 million cars on the road. Most of them are used, the average age, 12 years old. So we all know what it's like to wake up and that battery doesn't work. Bill Rhodes' story, AutoZone's story, here on Our American Stories. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. This is Our American Stories, and when we first bumped into Dr. Charles Kemper of Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, we were amazed. Graduating from Duke University in 1940, this 100-year-old doctor has seen generations come and go in his town and actually helped deliver a whole lot of those generations at birth. Here's our own Monty Montgomery with his story. Dr. Charles Kemper grew up on the East Coast in Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore is like a big metropolis, most any place. But Baltimore at the time, at one time, was a principal city in, in the United States. Right on the Chesapeake Bay was a center for shipping. And uh, I had good parents. My dad uh, had a terrible temper he would get come home tired, exhausted, working 20 hours a day, uh, carrying suitcases. He was a merchandiser. He would travel to all these little towns, with, had little stores, and pull out these big sample boxes, open them up and show them what, what they might like to buy. Well, anyway, he'd come home and get mad at trivial things like, why don't you fix me to those fried potatoes like I always like? I guess he was so tired and exhausted that everything annoyed him. But I think he was very good-hearted nevertheless. And I came across a letter he wrote once in which he said, uh, Everybody hates me. That <laughs> uh, was just his perception. I remember one time I and my cousin Sidney... Uh, we played hooky from Sunday school, and he was supposed to pick us up on a certain corner downtown Baltimore. We went to the wrong corner, or waited for him at the wrong corner, or he forgot which corner it was, I don't know. But anyway, boy, I was scared to death what he was gonna say or do. I had some of those characteristics, but I think 
they gradually evolved as I got older in uh, understanding. And I certainly don't feel that way now. And eager to live a life better than his father did, Charles decided that he wanted to become a doctor, a dream his mother was more than happy to support. When I graduated, she gave me a doctor's bag, and I still have it. And I still used it all, all these years. It was a sort of a, a truism that Jewish mothers were ambitious that their sons would become doctors and not uh, politicians. <laughs> After serving as a medic in the Army Air Corps in World War II, Kemper decided to move to Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, setting the city aside for the country due to a number of reasons. My wife's parents lived uh, in a town not far from here, and she was pregnant. This was after I had to decide where I was going to practice, and I thought it'd be, be good to practice here in this small town because she would be close to her parents when at her first child. And one of the doctors at the hospital where I was resident said, why don't you come to Chippewa Falls? There's only 10 doctors here. So I came here. I was the 11th doctor. My parents uh, were happy that I was a doctor, but they wanted me to stay uh, in Baltimore. And they thought that this country out here was the Wild West where cowboys and Indians, when they arrived to see me, visit me for the first time, as they were walking in the do- into the house, a car pulled up with four hunters in it. They pulled up in front of the house and yelled at me, did you see where the wolf went? <laughs> and my mother almost fainted. I really came from a different world. <laughs> but I, I I wanted to be in a place where I, where I knew everybody and got acquainted with them, and they knew me. I remember the very first patient I had in town, all the doctors in those days in this town had their office upstairs, uh, which is... Uh, Kind of stupid when you think about it, because people with heart trouble to climb those stairs. Well, anyway, the first day I, in my practice, I had my office upstairs in downtown. You had to walk down the hall, and I was the last office there. And my first day in practice, I, I parked a car out front, and I waited there, and I didn't see a patient until just about... 4.30, an old man walked in, and he didn't have anything seriously wrong with him, but he asked me if I would come see his father. Uh, see his father? Holy smokes. He, he must be really old. I was curious, so I said, sure, I'll be happy to come see him. Well, when he left, and I walked down the, to my car, and lo, I had a ticket for illegal parking. Uh, and uh, the fine was exactly the same as what the patient paid me, which was two bucks. I used to like to make house calls because that took me out in the country, and I always had my binoculars on the seat beside me, and I would stop and look at, uh, stare at, at some birds. You heard right. Dr. Kemper has always had a fascination with birds. 
dating back to his time in World War II when crossing the Pacific by boat, he watched albatross and other birds off the ship, out of boredom primarily. Charles now tells the story of one of his memorable bird-watching experiences. There was one time at the base of this hill, or at the top of the hill, is a Catholic church, and the nuns live in a convent. Well, anyway, I was driving up the hill, and I got to the top. I saw a white, pure white starling that I had captured and, ban- and put a band on it about a week before. Bird banding is an occupation by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. In those days, it didn't have high technology. That was one way of studying putting a a serial numbered band on an aluminum band around the ankle of the bird. And that way, if the bird was ever recovered, they would know where the bird went. But anyway, I pulled my car to a stop and jumped out of the car with my binoculars and I stared at that Starling, I wanted to see if it had a band on its leg. And just then, curtain in the convent came down suddenly. <laughs> some nurse or some lady, uh, a sister in the convent, saw me with my binoculars. And, <laughs> and uh, I thought, uh-oh, there goes my reputation. <laughs> so... Uh, I had to live that down. And Charles even took some of his patients birdwatching. I remember I had one lady uh, who was old enough to be my mother was interested in birds. And one day I took her, her, she and her husband and myself uh, went out to a swamp just outside of town. And there was an interesting bird there that we were looking at, the bird was a bittern, which has a habit of standing very still and with his bill pointed upward. And he fades into the environment, but he doesn't move. That's his means of defense. And we were on the roadside and looking at that bird, which was about 20 yards away. And I wanted to see what would happen if I picked up a small rock and throw it near the bird, see if I could flush it to fly away. Well, I wasn't too accurate. When I threw the rock, it hit the bird. (laughs) And Mrs. Lund was her name anyway. She said right away, I'm changing doctors. She thought I threw a rock at the bird. I didn't throw a rock at the bird. I was trying to miss the bird, just scare him so he would see if he would fly off. And even today, at 100 years old, Charles still has a fascination with birds. But as for his longevity, he thanks their creator and his. I was just lucky. I had nothing to do with my longevity. I was just (laughs) Good Lord had some reason for keeping me here, and I I firmly believe that. And you've been listening to Dr. Charles Kemper of Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, 
And what a unique voice. Dr. Charles Kemper's story here on Our American Story. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.